Coming to the stage is a veteran who has over 35 years of sharing his gift of singing, songwriting, producing, and being a trailblazer in the gospel industry. He's won seven awards, including the Grammy NAACP Image Award, which I have not won yet as of the time of this film. That's okay. Dove and Stellar Awards, to name a few. He has served as a producer on more than 100 albums. And in 2017, Essence Magazine named him one of the 50 greatest male singers of all time. Please help me welcome to the stage the incomparable Fred Hammond. Uncle Fred. Good to be here. I'm Uh, in the building. In the building. He pulled up on me, man. Pulled up on me. He pulled up on me. (laughs) Pulled up on me. All right, Fred, let's start at the beginning. Is it true you were actually born in Texas and then you moved to Detroit? Hold that up. No, no, not that. The whole thing. Just to turn it this way, like like a sandwich. That's really thick. Oh, yeah. Thicker than a snicker. That's really thick. This is our textbook of Fred Havens' life. This is only a, this is only what we feel like we can do in an hour. We, had to, we had to shave this down. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was uh, I was born in San Antonio. It was a situation, mm-hmm. and uh, we got we were encouraged to move to Detroit. <laughs> encouraged to it's move. Encouraged. My mom was like, "Yeah, I think you need to go on up that way," you know. But it, you know, we moved to San we were San Antonio. And moved immediately to Detroit. And um, I tell everybody now, I was born in Texas, but I was built in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Come on now, that's that's clear. That's a word. Come on. And you was in Detroit when, I mean, Detroit gospel, it was everybody. The whole scene was Detroit Man, for, a, for a good amount of years, I feel like. I mean, it was like the music coming out of there was everybody. Man, they didn't know that. All of us knew each other, you know, like the Minneapolis scene with Prince and the Morris and all of those guys and Mint, you know, we knew each other. Mm. Vanessa Bell, we knew the Clarkses. I'll never forget me and Mitchell Jones. Uh, we were in like the 10th grade and uh, we were walking to play basketball at this Northwest Activity Center. Mm. And we saw Karen Clark walking down the street. Now, Clarkses was famous since she was a little kid. Yeah. So we saw her and I said, man, that's Karen Clark. You know, and it's like she was walking to our house. And uh, she said, no, I ain't. I said, yes, it is. I said, Karen. And we just kept looking straight. Like, we just said, it's only two people across the street. I mean, the street is, like, really right there. And we acted like we didn't say nothing. And then we kind of looked back. She said, hi. That's Karen Clark. But the, the, the interesting thing was all of us and all of the church kids in Detroit mm-hmm. were in this one corner at Mumford High School. Really? So it's probably 150 to 200 people in this one corner of lockers and around the corner. And everybody wanted to be in this central location. Yeah. So that's BBCC, uh, Marvin, Carvin, um, Dorinda, Twinkie, all of them at some point. We were all over there. Carl Reed, uh, he was on the other floor. So, you know, Carl's different. You know, <laughs> um, but me and Mitchell. And we would get there, and everybody they'd be shouting and all that kind of stuff, playing church music on the boom boxes and stuff. <laughs> down the down, just a few minutes, knee deep is being played. Wow, you know, <laughs> funkadelics! The mothership is being played. People chasing each other through the hall with knives, literally. Wow, and we down here, you know, shouting and then we thinking nothing of it. But uh, we all went together to that school, and you know what they called it—the Amen Corner. Really? That's what they are. Oh, you down there with the Amen Corner? Yep, that was it. So. I mean that did y'all did you feel like at the moment like because I mean now all the all of y'all are legends you know in gospel music did you feel like I mean you might not feel like that in high school but did you feel like man these people are kind of dope like we we as a collective are kind of dope 
No, we just was doing our thing. It, mm. it, it, was, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't noticeable to us Got because it. Detroit was big in music. It wasn't just big in, you know, it was Motown. Yeah. You know, and so the people that lived in Detroit were the four tops, <laughs> the temptations. Anita Baker, even though she hadn't been discovered yet. Yeah, I, um, I found her early. Uh, let me see. You had uh, you had the Dramatics, like one of the greatest doo-wop groups to, with commission really followed after is the Dramatics and the Whispers. Mm. That was our vibe when we dealt doo-wop. Really? Oh, man. Ron Banks. Oh, man. L.J. Reynolds. Wow. Scotty and Walter. Man, those were our, that's what Mitchell and I studied, you mm. know, because, um, but we didn't know it because everybody was singing. Yeah, in every corner of the building, people outside, people were singing in groups and doing all sorts of things, and it was just, it was just, it was almost like fame. That's what I kind of got the vibe of that. <laughs> it was almost like fame, but it wasn't. It, you had the gospel corner that was doing that, but you had the art, the R and B corner that was doing that. I mean, people were singing and doing their thing all over the school, and that was just Mumford. Then there was Henry Ford and McKenzie. It was just a breakout thing. So. You know, we didn't know that we that corner of the world would would change the world. Yeah, we did not know that then. And y'all absolutely Man, did. Yeah. So, what were you like as a kid? Like, what was it like in your family? You know, young Fred Hammond. What was he doing? Six, seven, eight. Man, you know, I was a normal kid. I loved athletics. I loved sports, and I loved music. At, at, at about six years old, I never forget. My mom brought a little record home, and I it was, had to be. It was a forty-five. And uh, 45, for those of you who don't know millennials, it's a little record. It's DJ. Ricky, Ricky, it's that. Okay. Um, but she brought this thing home, and she, I put it on my close and play. Close and play was you lift it up, it plays. You stops. You close it. Like magic, it plays. <laughs> and I never get, I put it down, the needle down. And she said, look at these boys. And I'd never heard them before. And the thing went, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and I just sat, sat right there on my, on my legs, on my knees, and I listened to these, and I looked at their picture. It was a Jackson 5. Mm. You know, so I grew up in a house where my mom and them played classic music. My dad loved the old standards, Lou Rawls and Nancy Wilson, yeah. Tobacco Road. He would play that every weekend when he got off from the plant. My mother loved Roberta Flack. She loved Stevie Wonder, Donnie Hathaway, uh, Aretha Franklin. So... That's how I kind of grew up. And I grew up with my brothers. And, uh, you know, life took a little turn when my dad died, when Ray Hammond died. He was the nicest man I ever met. And he died mm -hmm. at 32. And we oh, had man. to figure life out. Yeah. And my mom had to figure life out. And um, it was really strange because all of his brothers and sisters stayed alive for the next 45 years. Not one other person in his family died till maybe three, four years ago. Oh, my. So my mom had to figure life out. And um, so growing up, I always craved sports. So I played football. I was a tight end, had great hands, had great, good speed. I played baseball. I got a scholarship in college to go to, uh, to play football. I didn't like football because it got too cold. I got, um, I got scouted by the Baltimore Orioles. To play on their, you know, on their farm team, and this I didn't, I didn't really want to do that. They came to my games and they sat down. And they talked to my mom, and uh, you know, but I love music. Mm -hmm. I love music. Yeah. And a friend of mine named Jeff Stanton, um, he taught me more about music. We grew up playing in church, but he we would go in his basement and shed, and he would just he would just 
give me, he would just enrich me. He played every instrument. He played guitar. He played drums. He played uh, bass. And he would take me, you know, tell me how to play. And I played. He'd teach me theory. How, well, now what's this? Bop, 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 Count it. What is it? You know, come on. Think. You got it. So I'm in school with this cat. And uh, we're just in his basement. And we're learning stuff. He's teaching me artists. He brought this one guy home. I'm talking a lot, but it's a lot. I'm, no, saying, this, I'm 61. This is about you, Fred. I, I'm 61, so I'm enthralled. A lot, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, here. I want we 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 signed up to hear about this. Don't don't, don't worry about us. We listening. He uh, <laughs> he brought this guy home, and he said he pulled it out the paper, got it from Peaches uh, Records. You know, and he pulled this thing out because he brought a record every week, and he pulled this guy. He said, "Man, you got to hear this dude. This dude plays every instrument." And it was a dude sitting on a horse with wings. It was Prince, mm. and we listened to it. And he, the first thing is um, IU or some, some acapella thing he did. And we were just enthralled with this. He said, man, listen to this guy, man. He plays every single instrument. He brought me Michael Franks. He brought me Herbie Hancock, Chameleon. And we would just go in his house. And then we would go to the, to the uh, garage and have garage band. Yeah. And we would take a <laughs> Before drum. I was on the Apple com- and computer. And all we played was Mr. Magic mm-hmm. and Breezin for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we played, and uh, man, that's that's you know, kind of what I grew up in. So you you start on drums, and then you said, I mean, you still play the bass with your hands. You mm-hmm. have never stopped. No, you can't. You can't. Stop. Bass is always going on in my head. Yeah, it's always going on in my head. If I if I hear something, especially when I'm doing music, you know, now I don't get to play as much because uh, you know, older my hand, my muscle memory is kind of gone. But my I have great bass players. So I just do air stuff, you know, right. because I'm actually playing the notes in my head. I see right. me playing everything, but I just look crazy, you know. I just look crazy. So, I mean, you have all this musicality as a kid and, you know, through high school, and then you go to the Army. Yeah. What yeah. was the what was the, the, the thought process behind that? Um, I didn't, like I said, I started out right out of high school and went straight to college, went to junior college, Henry Ford Junior College, and I didn't have a clue or direction. Mm. I took music theory, which I hated. Absolutely hated learning music theory. Why? I don't know. It was hard. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of math. I wasn't really good at math. Right. It was a lot of math, and I just couldn't I couldn't understand it. I just knew how to play Have You Tried Jesus? He's All Right. I could play that one. <laughs> I don't know nothing about no minor B flat minor seven. I could play every if I think if you think you're about to play a James Cleveland song, I knew it. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm, I'm looking at the piano player like I know the notes. And I had a really amazing ear, but I hated music theory. I took the psychology of sports, the history of Michigan, mm. and criminal justice. And I was really good at that. I was good at that. Interesting. And the last thing I took was filmmaking, and I really enjoyed it. Wow. Then I got a, you know, I got the job with the Winans after after a little while. But Mitchell Jones and I, we were around a lot of blight. Mm-hmm. We had cousins and uncles and stuff that grew up in the city, and you know, seven years out of uh, high school, they're still going to high school games, you know, right. and ain't ain't really done nothing. Right. Worked for the plant, and yeah. that was it. Yeah, and, and me and Mitchell was like, we're not gonna do that. I said, man, let's 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 sign up for the for the military. Yeah. So what was that like? What was your time in the military like? It was really good. It was it was really good. I didn't 
I knew I wasn't going to be a long-term military guy. Yeah. But it was really good. I went to South, uh, I went to Alabama, uh, Fort McClellan, Alabama, to go to MP school. He went to Fort Lee, New Jersey, for uh, administration school mm-hmm. and uh, AIT and boot camp. And um, I enjoyed it because I'm a, I'm a I'm a sports dude. I'm a yeah. I'm from sports. Yeah. So anywhere you get a locker room, you get guys that you know I gotta gotta accomplish a mission. <laughs> I'm used to that culture. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So. Um, and they, that's what they say when they, when, when you see somebody in, in, in sports and they say, you know, how is this guy in the locker room? Is he going to mess up? What they mean is when, when you're off the field, is this guy going to mess up the synergy of the team? Right. And so I learned team sports and team discipline really in the military. So I was in a, I went to the national guard and I said, well, let's go to the national guard. And we can always sign up for the regular army. Mm-hmm. But if you go to the regular army, you can't step down to the next <laughs> No, guard. no, you, you in stuck. there for real. You in there for Two real. Two years, you good. <laughs> <laughs> so, and next thing I know, when I got out to uh, National Guard, I mean, I got out of boot camp and everything, uh, I got the job with the Winans. So, it was good that I didn't, you know, I didn't. <laughs> so tell me about your time with the Winans. You you audition, you play bass, and you're on tour with the Winans. And at this time, they are, you know. I mean, now they're legendary, but at that time they were like breaking records, the whinings, and you know, one of the great uh, gospel music families. What was that like for you, a young man? You playing bass with them? Yeah, you know, and I'm not crying. I just it's allergy season, right? In Texas. <laughs> um, but uh, we gonna put Fred Hammond cries about cries whinings. Period. Time. Like, <laughs> didn't, that's the thumbnail right there, Josh. Know, so I got <laughs> about to pay. <laughs> he cried about talking about the pay. <laughs> No, no, but 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 uh, man, it was strange because I almost didn't get the gig. Really, I almost didn't get the gig. Um, they had just hit the street. We knew the Winans as one of the premier bands, gospel bands. They were like Earth, Wind, and Fire size. They were called the Testimonials. Okay, and we would follow them around all every church they would be at. Testimony was going to be over here. Testimony, Marvin, Marvin, Carvin, Howard Smith, and Michael and Ronald. And then they had this big band horn sections and everything, man. And we would just follow them around. And then one day I was driving home from, uh, from like a, I think it was a, a National Guard session that I had to be in. It was late. Mm-hmm. And I was coming home and I heard on the radio, they said the whinings. And I never, and the guy mispronounced, he called the whinings. <laughs> Next coming up, the whinings. And we only knew them as peanut and uh, Carvin Butch. Yeah. That's all we knew him. So who was yeah. the Whinings? <laughs> and next thing I know, on, on Finkel and Grand River, I heard him. Restoration. And I'm like, wow, that's that's Peanut Nim. Yeah. That's Peanut Nim. So that's the blackest the, thing ever, by the way, Fred. Huh? That's Peanut Nim. That's, that's the blackest thing ever. That's, that's what we called him. Yeah. And um, the next thing I knew, I heard the bass players leaving. So they're about to get this guy named Greg Lockett, mm-hmm. who's another great bass player in the city, but he had a real good job. He was making, at that time, he had to be making close to 100 in sales. He was killing the game, so he wasn't about to come yeah. off the road. So he said, man, I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to tell him you it. Yeah. So Michael Wright and different ones in there said, yeah, we're going to tell him that Hammond is the guy. And so Marvin said, okay, well, here's my number. Call me. He told me, you told me, if you're watching, you know you told me to call you. You did. So 
I waited. He said, I said, I called him at 11 o'clock. I wanted to show him that I'm prompt. I got out of class and ran at 1055. I was standing at the phone and I put you know my money in. I called him up. He said, uh, who is this? <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, um, uh, Marvin, this is Fred Hammond. And you told me to call you about the bass player slot. He said, oh, yeah, I'm not thinking about that right now. Call me tomorrow. Call me tomorrow at 11 o'clock. I said, okay, cool. So my whole family is waiting. We are, they fasting, they praying, they trying to get to. <laughs> and so next day at 11 o'clock, I called him again. And I heard Vicky, I guess they had been up there, Vicky whining and said, uh, Peanut, this is that boy. <laughs> and I heard him say, what boy? <laughs> What's your name again? I said, Fred Hammond. Oh, Fred Hammond, the bass player. Okay, cool. He said, hello. And I said, hey, Marvin, want to find out, did you give any thought to me auditioning? He said, no, not, not at all. Call me tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Next day, I called him at 11 o'clock. He said, what do you want? He said, Marvin Wine said this, what do you want? And I said, well, and my heart is in my knees. I am saying, well, Mr. Marvin, uh, potentate, sir. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm trying to think of what can I say to get this gig. He said, he, he said, listen, listen to you. Don't call me no more. We're going to go with who we got. <laughs> I said, yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, yeah, don't call me no more. <laughs> and so I went and told my mom and this and another. She said, Freddie, just stay, just stay connected. Well, I went to school with BBCC and Daniel. Yep. So now they're getting ready to do this big concert in Detroit. And it's the Winans. And it's being ready to sell out when they announce the tickets. But they had this group called Winans Part 2. BBCC, Daniel. Vicky and a woman named Marvy Wright, girl named Marvy Wright. So they needed a band. So BB and Daniel cornered me, like, I want you to play bass for us. They didn't turn you down. You play bass for us. I said, okay, cool. Let's come on. So yeah. Michael Williams, Michael Brooks, and me, we met for the first time. Me and Michael knew each other. But Brooks, we met him for the first time at that point. So yeah. we were in the room, in their living room, and Marvin started teaching the Wine and Spark two songs. And once again, my ear was amazing at that age. So yeah. whenever they play, I would play it, and I gave them a line, and you know, little phenom in Detroit, bass player, this that, another, and so <laughs> little phenom, like work, phenom. <laughs> like, like easy work, easy work, it was easy work. <laughs> and so they're very competitive family. Mm. So Daniel and Vicky and BB, Cece was more quiet, but she got in there too. They was like, when they heard us together, and Pop was over in the corner, come on, come on, come on now, hit it. That boy good, that boy good right there. Go. Hit it, hit it, BB. And so we're sitting there, and we're playing, and Marvin's on the piano teaching the song, and Brooks is on Rhodes, and we're just, and we're playing, we're playing. And so they said, oh, my goodness. The beat wine is part two band is better than the wine is part one band. Oh my. And their whole house is going back and forth. And then Marvin turned to me and said, you ain't slick. <laughs> and I'm like, I called you at 11. Three days in a row. 
You the one You told me something called You said stop What are you talking about But Did he know I had his music In my arsenal Right So he said You know you ain't slick Right And I said What you talking about He said Let me hear you play this I feel like flying away. Before he can get to away, I was on him <laughs> like right. And I was trying to pull them strings off that thing. So I would boom, pop, pop. Then he said, brothers, we need a meeting. <laughs> and BB knocked him off the piano. And Daniel, they were wrestling. No, you ain't taking our paper. And it was just melee. And I got the gig that day. Wow. I got the gig. Yep. That is amazing. I didn't know that. I heard the wine is phase two, which is the children of the wine. And yep. the wine is part two became came before the wine is phase Absolutely. two. Absolutely. Yep. Y'all need to know about this gospel That's history. Right. So after you tour with the wine and you and your friends start a little a little group. I don't know if you've heard of them. Just a small group named Commission. Mm -hmm. Now tell us the story of the genesis of that, because I mean that group changed the direction of gospel music. Yeah, man. Uh but tell us how that how that came to be. Um, that was Mitchell Jones and I were best friends. You could not separate us. They call us in school. They call us Sam and Dave. Okay. We did, um, our last year in, the, in high school, we did the talent show and wrecked. We did everything must change. Mm -hmm. And we were just a piano and us and wrecked that place. Yeah. My English teacher, I'm not gonna give her name because, you know, even though she's probably dead. <laughs> Not gonna give her a name, but when we got off stage, we were, it was so stellar when we came on. We was in suits and we sang, and nobody had heard us sing the whole time. Mm. We lit that whole place up. And my English teacher, I'm gonna say it was a mistake. She kissed me in the mouth, dead in the mouth. I'm not gonna say what. I'm sure she, was a I'm sure she did. <laughs> and I felt like it was a mistake, but the length, the amount of time. <laughs> On a mistake, it's like, <laughs> but this was a lean-in, and it was really, really, really wet. No, no tongue. It was no tongue, but it was just moist, and the lips was just big, full, and, and I said, yo. But nevertheless, me and Mitchell were inseparable. Mitchell was a phenomenal point guard. He made all city. He was a phenomenal point guard in mm. the city of Detroit. And I played football, and I, I did well. So, you know, that that was the vibe. And uh, we just stayed and stayed and stayed. And when I got the gig with the wines, I said, I'm coming back. I'm not going nowhere. I'm going to learn. Then I'm coming back for you. Mm. And I went out. I learned a lot with the, with the wines. You know, I met a lot of people. And I went and got Mitchell and mm. told him what we was doing and finally said, man, let's start a group. And he said, well, man, I know um, I'm with – Carl Reed and Keith Staten, they were at the Chant Sounds of Joy. Mm -hmm. And uh, they got a band and everything. I said, Keith, yeah. Carl, we went to school with Carl. Carl's tall and light-skinned, yeah. And nobody knows that it was a toss-up between Carl Reed and Park Stewart. Mm, really? Park Stewart was one of the amazing writers. He wrote, uh, you know, uh, Ordinary with Mitch. He wrote Cry On with Mitch. He wrote... Hold me with me. He wrote all of the hits that ever Mitchell had, and uh, but at some point in time, I just went more with Carl because he he stood out and he changed the look of the group. Yeah, you know, at that point, you know, it was a different look, and we started looking like Switch at that point. You know, yeah. <laughs> at that point, like he he helped us make it look like Switch. <laughs> but we went on, and I and I just started teaching and saying, "Man, this is what I learned, and this is what we're going to do." And 
we would go to Howard Johnson's every Friday night for like a year because we was broke, but they had all you can eat clams for like $5. All you can eat clams. And so we would go there and stay for two hours and, and, and do a vision Cleaning board. them out. Clams. Do a vision board. Yeah. Man, listen, be packed up in there. <laughs> and over the time, that's when I met Brooks, Michael Brooks, you know, and um, I asked him to be a part. And Michael Williams was our, my best friend, so he was going to naturally be the drummer. And then Michael Wright, we asked him to be the guitar player. So that's kind of how we went. Got it. You know, and then we met up with uh, uh, Derek Dirksen was our manager. Derek Dirksen was key because he had a group out called Chapter 8. Mm-hmm. Anita Baker was the lead singer of Chapter 8. Yep, I knew that. She wasn't a, she wasn't a star or anything, but they had that song, just wanna be your, I just, mm. <laughs> he was the drummer and the manager. Mm. So he started managing commission and that's when we got it with light records and the rest is history. The rest is history. So now the thing about commission that was, that's interesting sound wise and attire wise, it was very different yeah. than anything that was out at the time. Was that intentional or was that you guys just being who you were? Both of those. Okay. It was both of those. We decided that, we didn't want to look like everybody else, so we were going to dress. Each one of us going to dress their personality. Okay, you know, and um, I, but I, I got to be honest with you, the first album cover, which is I'm going on, they, they took it was two album covers. Mm-hmm. So we knew that we had to dance the dance of gospel music. So we did suits. We were suited and booted. Yeah, but it was all different color suits. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't really flashy. There was really nice suits. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the manager told us, just bring your jeans. We're going to take a picture in both. And we're like, well, we're just having fun, right? You know, because they'll kick us out. They're going to kick us out. <laughs> if you put us on jeans and – but he said, yeah, just have fun. Serious so business, you wear them jeans. We took the picture. We did the pose, the same pose that's on the first album. We did it in suits. Then we did a whole bunch of funny stuff and just kicking it around. Next thing you know, we're getting the album cover back. And he pulls the slick out is what you approve he pulls that slick out, and we there we are in suits with that pink banner and everything. It said commission, and I never forget the feeling I got. Man, we was in there crying at, at Keith Staten's house, you know, mother and them was up. They was pastor. Oh my God, we was crying. People speaking the tongue, and he's like, <clears throat> "Wait, will you speak? Wait." And he pulled out the second one with the jeans. He said, "Now I know what y'all want to do. That's your cover." We was like, oh, we can't do that, Dingo. It's slick, but we can't do that, man. Dingo. He said, take three days. But if you want to be leaders, that's your cover. Mm. And I said, we just sat around. We talked about it literally round the clock, eight hours a day. And finally, we had enough heart to say, let's go with it. He said, now, when we do radio interviews, it's a non-issue. Don't talk about the clothes. It's a non-issue. When the DJ goes to talk about, hey, so you guys don't dress like that, he would jump in and say, next question. Really? don't talk about that. It's a non-issue. And we never talked about it. We got picketed. Picketed? We got picketed at concerts. For jeans? Jeans. Picketed? They could not, they could not deny, tis so sweet, and I can see Jesus. They couldn't, like, I'm going on. They couldn't deny. The, it's something there, but we can't buy this group because of these clothes. They not saved. 
It's it's funny now, but I know they it was not a game then. They we not lost saved. a lot of gigs. Can you imagine what it's like to drive up and see people picketing your music? It was like driving up in slow motion in a bad movie at a church, and it's a line coming out of the church waiting to get in of young people. Yeah. Then you got these older people, it gotta be 30 of them, and they're all devil's music, devil's music, going to you're going to hell. Oh, y'all going to hell, going in here to group. And you look at them and you're like, that's not us. How can y'all say that? And man, it was the saddest moment. And when we got in there, we lit that place up. I bet. And we never, they told us, don't talk about the people outside. If you do say something positive, say we're praying for them and keep it moving. Do not issue. But, man, I'm telling you, it was, it was a bad scene to see that and know that you've been called. Yeah. Yep. So You got to deal with, you know, the that's church people. We're talking about gospel music. Gospel and quite as kept, you could almost trace that to, like, K-pop. The way K-pop artists dress right now, mm-hmm. you can walk that all the way back to commission. Right then. It feels like a group, but it's, indiv- you know, individualistic. You know, the trend, there were... I think it was five albums, five or six albums that came out that year. The Wine Is Tomorrow, mm-hmm. Jesse Dixon, Douglas Miller, Richard Smallwood, and Al Green. Each one of them had on that year purple cummerbunds and purple bow ties in black tuxedos. The Winans were sitting on the couch. Yeah, yeah. Black tuxedos, very classy. And all of them had Richard Smallwood was on the roof. <laughs> I think his was turquoise, but he right. was in a tuxedo. Yeah. They were trending. Then here we come with guest jeans and jingle boots. <laughs> you know, you know. But we were we were reaching a generation that we didn't know. We we weren't doing it to change the game. We just did it and just trusted the Lord. But it, it costs. It costs. Man, it definitely costs. So commission has, I mean, countless amazing music albums yeah. and all that. But one song sticks out that makes people feel like I am a sinner in need of your grace. And I didn't even do nothing today, God, but I'm crying now. And that song is running back to you. Uh, I just made a video about this this I week. I, I saw. I, I literally was just, and it, it didn't even play anywhere. I literally just said, I'm going to play this song because I love it. And I said, I'm going to make a video just to show Fred. See if he's, and I, I was like, let me see Fred out there. He was like, I'll see you, nephew. And I was like, ah, we're friends. But uh, I, I want to know what the inspiration, because that song is timeless. I'm talking about people who don't even go to church no more. When I post it, they'd be like, man, this is my song. My mom played this song. I ain't been in church in forever, <laughs> but this is my song. Like, what was the inspiration behind that song? Because that is a timeless classic. <laughs> you know. Let's just be 100, because I'm 61 now. I don't care what y'all think. Y'all can be mad at me if you want. Y'all can judge me if you want. But we know that song about fornication. <laughs> I know it. Stop playing with me. We couldn't know. I, we, I, we didn't steal. We wasn't on, on drugs. We didn't smoke no weed. You know, we just went to church. We know what that song was about. And we was guilty of it. And this was when, when Commission came out. Now, let me tell you the story. When we got together, Keith and Carl, especially Keith, were clean. Mm-hmm. Very clean. Carl, okay, <laughs> he's got his own testimony, but we viewed him as clean. Mitchell and I were heathens. 
when it came to that. We were growing up, me had no father figure, man. This that another. What you else you gonna do? And around the around the hood. But <laughs> but when we all got together, there was a synergy that said, and I told him, man, we're not gonna have babies all over the country. Yeah. We're gonna be famous. And I know a lot of these groups, I've been out there and I've seen them. We're not gonna have girls on the floor of the hotel. We're going to really walk this thing out because we hadn't started walking it. Right. We was working on walking it because the Bible says, speak those things that are not as though they are. So we spoke <laughs> it into existence because Mitchell and I were still working on ourselves. Right. <laughs> and we never told, we, it, it, we wasn't no situation where we were bragging to Keith and Carl, like, hey man, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't do that. Right, right. But Mitchell and I would have our conversations, man, and afterwards we would be, in the car, just crying, like, man, uh, happen again, God. I keep falling into this. I said, Every man, time I, I turn got, around. I got to get, we got to get married, man. You know, shoot, man, this is crazy. But our hearts were so, yeah, it was pure. Yeah. And I never forget when we were talking, and we, we made up our minds, said, you know, we're not going to be that group. Yeah. We're not going to be having girls all over the road and having all this stuff. And so we that's when our walk started getting serious. Yeah. Second album um, is getting ready to come out. And that's when I'm sitting. I'm driving the truck. I'm still working. The first album came out, but I'm still working as a truck driver, you know, person that delivered tables and chairs, me and Michael Williams. And Mitchell worked at Thornapple Valley Meat Company. And, you know, we're still working, doing jobs. Keith went to Aerodynamic School and Carl worked at, Kmart or something. Mm -hmm. Michael Brooks worked somewhere. We, he worked as a church musician, and Michael Williams was working with me as a delivery guy. I never forget, like we were thinking about the next album, and I wasn't the main writer. I was more of the arranger. Mm -hmm. Me and Mitchell arranged all the vocals, and that was my thing. I could take your song and I can arrange it. Michael Brooks was the writer, and that's just the way it was. The next one, I never forget. I was in the truck, and I just started thinking of really trying to be serious. I'm like, God, you blessed us with this. And, you know, I really need to get this thing together. Can you forgive me when I'm involved in God? Can you forgive me when I change my way? And all I had was that for like two months. Then it was time to record, and I started recording it. And I started writing it down in there. And when I got to the point... You hold your nail, scarred hand. And I just was getting ready to get married in a few weeks. And I was in my apartment with bed on the floor. And I wrote, you know, you told me you understand because then you hold your nail, scarred hand. And I fell out in my room, speaking in tongues, crying. I'm sorry, Lord. Help me make it. So we understand what that's I'm about. I'm finna get married, God. I'm holding it. We, we good. But I, I lived... Yeah. I went and relived it because you know what? That was really all of our struggle. Yeah. That's that why was, I love it. That's all of our struggle, man. And at the end of the day, that's because first time I see you do that was with you, that macaroni cheese from, from Chick-fil-A. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, man, this dude's crazy. But that was the thing, you know. We just wanted to be right. That was my prayer. I wanted to be right before God. And I saw him for the first time as a loving God. Yeah. Not a judgmental. I'm running back to you. You tell me, get your. <laughs> <laughs> get, you, get out of here. You know, so 
you know, that was what that was, yeah. Yeah, okay. So <clears throat> Commission then goes on to win four Grammys, six stellar awards, 12 chart-topping albums. You all recently inducted into the Gospel Music Hall of Fame. What did it feel like to be recognized in that way, you know, almost like legitimized and, you know, forever solidified in such an important genre? You know, to be honest with you, we were really legitimized when Boys to Men came up to us and said, we started our group because of you. Mm. And they have our records with them. Wow. I would go to little concerts like Budweiser Superfest and I would see the band from Bobby Brown and this and another and they would see me and they would literally, someone would really start crying. Like, man, I'm doing this because of you. Derek Allen, DOA, one of the coldest bass players out there was playing for Karen White uh, with Chucky Booker, Janet Jackson and everybody. He pulled out every commission record tape out of his fanny pack. Yeah, He pulled it out and said, this is all I listen to. And that's when we were legitimized. So by the time we got to the Hall of Fame, it was like, yeah, thank you. Yeah. We really do appreciate it. <laughs> we really do. You know, we ain't tripping, but, you know, you know, Jamie Foxx is coming up to us telling us, he said, man, it was y'all. Yeah. Me and, me and Regina King would sit in the room and listen, listen to your song and cry and just, one day we going to make it, this, that, and other. We didn't know it because we were in the struggle. It wasn't like we was rich. It wasn't. We was in the struggle, yeah. just trying to make it, man. And we didn't know what we was doing. So that really is the stuff that legitimized us. So then you you got your solo career, yep. right? And, I mean, I just want to say this. And I, I made this video, but I just want to repeat it in case anybody missed it. Go for it. This four-album run, to me, Kevin, you have your own opinion, but to me, Kevin, this is the greatest run of four albums in a row in gospel music history, unlikely to ever be done again. Okay, 1995, Inner Court. Okay, Radical for Christ. 1996, Spirit of David. Okay, 1998, Fred, this is still you. Me. This is you. Pages of Life, chapters one and two. And then the year 2000, Purpose by Design. Yep. Now, Fred, I'm, I'm told this story to people, but I'm going to tell it to you. I first told my wife, I love you in high school, two. That uh, Pages of Life, I mean, uh, Purpose by Design album. So, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I was hearing them. Thank you. Thank you. I just, and then I was just like, you know what? I just want to thank Jesus for you. I don't, I never, I never you said heard it, it here. You heard it right I said, here. I love you, girl, to that song, right? But take us all the way back to 1995 because because of you, your songs are still sung in church. To, I mean, blessed. We, we we don't have no other offering song as a black church. I wonder if you are ever sick of it. Like, yo, I got 800 mm. other songs. We like blessed means offering. I'm really not sick of it two times a year. And that's when it paid royalty time. <laughs> I'm really not sick of <laughs> streaming and royalty time. You know, the, yeah, thank you. Blessed. But the reality is, the reality is <laughs> that 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 transformation from commission to radical was so rocky and stormy. Oh, really? So rocky and stormy. It was God. I, it wasn't one of them things where I never thought I would leave the uh, the group. I thought, you know, you know, we made it through Keith and Carl. I brought in Marvin, mm-hmm. and now somebody else about to leave. <laughs> yeah, and I was like. We was going through a really rough transition. You know, brothers is just, the nest was getting too small. And brothers was like, you know, 
kind of at each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we never had fist fights, but we had some knockdown, drag out arguments about direction and, and this and finger pointing about that. And I figured, like, which one of you knew is about to leave? <laughs> right, <laughs> Y'all about right. to go because I'm not going. I started this thing. I'm, I, I got the red company with me. I'm on my side. They want this. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And finally, we, we had a meeting with Pastor Reggie Lane. And they had me come. And i never forget, it was after my cousin Carlton Watson had got shot and killed. And at the funeral, Carl told me, hey, bring all the receipts tomorrow. We got a, re- we got a meeting. And I'm like, what is that? So me and Ray, my brother, I had my own studio by the end. We brought everything. We sat it down. He went over it. Everything was in order. Mm-hmm. And he said, what's the bottom line? And I knew at that point in time, I'm like, I already know who I'm getting rid of. <laughs> I already know. I said, y'all call the record company, and I'm going to call the record company and see who they go. I'm, I was straight because yeah. I, I, I just delivered two great albums that really sold. Yeah. Um, number seven and Matters of the Heart. Mm-hmm. So the record company said, whatever Fred says is what it's going to be. I said, like, you know, which one of y'all, y'all about to leave? And one of the brothers, won't say who, at the end, it was just an eerie silence. And Pastor Lane said, What's the bottom line on that paper you guys submitted? So I knew it was a meeting before a meeting. Oh. Want to take a quick break from the show to tell you about our sponsor for today's episode, ExpressVPN. Listen, most of us have little choice in how do they choose their internet service provider, okay? Because ISPs operate like monopolies in the region they serve. They use monopoly power to take advantage of the customers. Data caps, streaming throttles, the list goes on and on. Worst of all, many ISPs log your internet activity and sell that data to other big tech companies or advisors. This is doggone wrong, and there's not much that you can do about it, except with ExpressVPN, you can. Oh, yeah. ExpressVPN prevents ISPs from seeing your internet activity, and you can protect all of your devices with ExpressVPN. What is ExpressVPN? It's a simple app for your computer smartphone that encrypts all your data and tunnels it through a secure VPN server so just so that your ISP cannot see any of your activity. Think about how much of your life is on the internet, okay? Everything, your clicks, your likes, your searches, your hopes, your dreams, your wishes. That's why I recommend ExpressVPN is the best way to hide your online activity from your ISP. Download the app, tap one button on your device, and you're protected. Listen, I'm sick of searching for something or thinking of something or talking about something. And next thing you know, I'm served ad and ad and ad and ad and ad and ad after ad. I'm tired of it. I need my privacy. I'm a public figure. And sometimes I search for nasty things on the internet and I don't want anybody to know about it. ExpressVPN does all this without slowing your connection. That's why it's rated number one VPN service by Business Insider and The Verge. So stop handing over your personal data to ISPs and other tech giants who want my and your activity and sell off your information. Protect yourself with a VPN I trust to keep my privacy private online. Visit expressvpn.com slash stage. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com slash stage to get three extra months free. Go to expressvpn.com slash stage right now to learn more. And now back to the show. And I looked at the person that was doing it. They never looked me in the eye. They said, here are all the things we want done. And the bottom line is we do not believe God called Fred to be the leader of our group. 
and I picked every one of them by hand. Pulled us out of a dangerous place, took us in a new direction, and that was what was said. And the Holy Ghost said, just meet me at the studio. I said, give me two weeks. I didn't fight, I didn't fuss, I, didn't, I wasn't going to protect it. And I went through and I opened my word up on my on my mixing console and I went through every place. It wasn't no Google. You had to actually go through the concordance and look. And everywhere it said belief, I studied it. Mm-hmm. Everywhere it said unbelief, I studied it. And I got to the one scripture that said, Jesus was in his own country, in his own town. And he was preaching and teaching. And they said, who does he think he is? Don't we know his mom and them? Who is he? Who is he? Who is he? And the scripture says, he marveled. Never had seen, never have I seen such unbelief. And then here's the clincher. Many mighty miracles he could not do because of their unbelief. You can get them Grammys. You can get them gold records. You can all have Bentleys. It ain't going to happen. I closed the Bible. Went back to him. Said, I'm going to finish the year out, and I'm going to give it to you. Here you all have it. And I, I had no place to go. That, I had no place to go. I did not know that. No place to go. Looking at it now, you can see God pushing me out. Yeah. It wasn't them. But then at that time, you definitely didn't feel like that. I didn't feel like that. But I'm not a fighter. I'm a peacemaker, but yeah, I'm still from Detroit. You know, <laughs> But I'm not going to fight them. Right, right, right. You know, And I'm not going to keep fighting. I, I've proven to you all. Yeah. I've, I've proven to you all. And this is the, the bottom line. And so... We spent the rest of the year just kind of, it was a little tumultuous, but they was just waiting for me to leave. And so it got to the end of the year, and I said, one last time, Springfield, Ohio, our last concert. <clears throat> Great job. People heard I was leaving. We're sitting in the dressing room at the end. They was getting dressed. They were a little more happier than I was. And I said, guys, we don't have to do it this way. Carl, you can go do an album. The record company will do an album. Mitchell, you can do your own album. Marvin, you can do an album. I can go do an album. Let's take two years off away from each other and then come back. And they say, you want to vote? Let's vote on that real quick. Just like that? Just like that, say, mm, let's vote on that. Mitch, what you say? Marvin, this, that, and that, Michael Williams, what you say? I say it's a good idea. That's what Marvin said. Max Frank was in the group. He said, I think it's a good idea, too. He said, well, well, we good. So sorry about that. We're going we gonna to go on our way and you go on yours. And I just sat back and I stooped into a level, I went into a level of depression that I could not explain. I mean, it was, it was a horrible place because I didn't know what to do. Mm. And then some say start a choir, but I didn't start it like, I'm going to start a choir. Right. It's ironic <clears throat> that I'm in this place because two people, three people is what I use the DNA, Kirk and the family, mm-hmm. John P. Key. I rode around listening to show up like two months straight. That's all I would play in my car. Rolling the window down through the hood, through the parks, everything. I just played the song over and over again. And Hezekiah Walker. I mean, that's, I mean, that's gospel music to me. Love, that's my love entire fellowship. childhood. Then I paid attention to my boy Gary, It Sounds of Blackness. And I liked Donald Lawrence's music. Yep. And so those were the five choirs that I just listened to. But I wasn't a choir teacher. I, we taught harmonies different in commission. I wasn't, remember, I didn't go to music theory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 
you know, it's real you simple. Were, you were triad, triad, you know, just did you sing this note? And so I was having trouble trying to figure out how to do block just straight harmonies for a choir. And so I called on these people. I figured, man, we about to get 40 of the best artists. Fred Hammond from Commission is starting a choir. Literally, I got just willing people. They weren't mm-hmm. really talented, but they were willing. And I didn't know what to do. So once again, ironically, the only song I really was able to teach them was the reason why we sang for three months. That's all we sang in rehearsal. I tried to say, I mean, I stretched it out like, oh, so I'm going to ask, all of them sing it. Then I say, okay, tenors, y'all sing it what, six times through. <laughs> okay, altos, you said, didn't, okay, then that's, that's our, let's, let's go on about it. I did that for three months straight and I didn't know what to do. Finally, I, I gave up. I said, I'm done. I don't know what I'm doing. I was laying in the bed, my former wife, she was in the bathroom and she came out. I had my army coat that I came from the army. It was zipped up. I had the hood on. I had my skull on. I was supposed to be on. I had Tim's hanging off the side of the bed. And I was just down. I said, I'm ending it tonight. It's over. I'm not, I'm not going to waste these people's time. I don't know what I'm doing. She said, well, what you going to do? I said, I don't have no clue. Got there, sat in the car for 30 minutes. I walked in at this church, Great Faith Ministries, and 40 people were down there singing the reason why we sing. Like it was brand new. Mm. And they was worshiping to it, and this, that, and another. And I, oh, man, walking the mile, walking the mile, walking down to the front. And they said, Here's Elder right here. Let's give him a hand. They all turned in. Man, I ain't gonna like what I got to say when I get down there. <laughs> I walked down to the front. I looked at them, and they were like this. Only had one song. And I said, hey, everybody, this is, a, this is our last rehearsal. And they're like, why? I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. And it was like, no, Elder God is going to give it to you, Elder. I said, uh, I don't hear nothing about the Lord right now. To be honest with you. Because I'm not, I'm not wherever he's at, I'm not. And I'm missing him. And they were like, I said, we don't have any songs. We've been singing the same doggone song for three months. He said, God, I'm going to get you some songs, Ella. Huh. <laughs> I'm good. And I just I sat there. And they, people started rocking and praying in tongues. And I looked, and the Holy Ghost said to me, now you were with six people a year ago did not believe and they're talented as all gets out you with 40 people that are not as talented but they believe and I looked and they were praying and they were worshiping like please don't just now give him what to do Lord bless. they was told you to give him what to do. they were pointing towards me I said ho 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 here's what's getting ready to happen we're getting ready to write songs that have never been sung before. God is getting ready to do X, Y. And I started prophesying. We're going to go on tour. We're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to blah, blah, blah. And I started doing people was falling out, pop, pop, pop in the rehearsal. The very next week, we started rehearsing, writing new music. Music was dropping in me mm-hmm. like crazy. I'm pulling samples up and glory to glory was a mistake. It was a mistake. Oh, Fred, you now you got to tell that story now. It was a mistake. It wasn't a mistake to me, but uh, tell me how it was a mistake. I was an NPC producer, so I could I could you know, manipulate keys and stuff. And I had Noel Hall, I had Big Tom, I had Daryl, um, um, I had some some really cool young cats around me. And so we're sitting there doing 
doing this music. And all of a sudden, I'm writing this song. <clears throat> I can say it now because it's, you know, what's it called? Uh, when you uh, Statue of Limitations. Statue of Limitations. Yeah. I can say it now. I, <laughs> my cousins is El Dubai. Remember that, cuz. Remember, you was my cousin. You my cousin. And so I'm writing O Zion, which is really, I've been thinking about you. Do, ding, dong. And they didn't have laws with, you know, replays and stuff like that. So I'm sitting there writing this, and me and my crew was in there, and I'm putting this, putting this beat together, and I stopped the beat. Now, the NPC, if you have a long sample, so if you hear, when you stop the beat, when you stop the machine, the sample has to finish. Mm-hmm. It don't just stop automatically. So I'm writing the part, and my guys is in there, and we're doing this stuff. Glory to glory. And it just came out just like that. We stopped that one, wrote that one, and then went back to that one. That's why they're connected. Oh my! That's why I they connected. You just sequenced them like that. Nope. They it, so even when it's you hear it's one song. It's one song. So even when you hear, uh, we kept the sample going, and we just went right on into. I said these songs are going to connect. God was giving me a new flavor. I was taking praise and worship, which black people weren't doing. I I got it from Hosanna, uh, Maranatha, and I just took their energy and their concept about God and just put grease on it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, man, we boom, God, boom, shot, boom. So if you listen to that song, coming out of the one, you're going to hear the sample keep going. I'm going to play it as soon as we finish this interview. That's how we went into the next song and the songs were coming so fast and Tommy Tommy Walker he he had the song nobody believed in Tommy nobody so he came over I said Tommy I'll rock with you and I gave him a room I put him in a room and gave him a bunch of keyboards he was a genius I gave Noel a bunch of keyboards and stuff next thing I know Tommy said you know he spoke with a stutter you want you want to listen to this and I was like okay cool man let's, let's listen to it I believe in you and next thing you know He's he come up. He was amazing. He's a papa do bling 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 and we had the speakers up loud. And I'm say, Tommy, oh man, that's amazing. And I said, let me live with that. And when I went home, I was sleeping. I had my headphones on. We're blessed in the city. We're blessed in the field. Man, it was over. God was pouring into us from that prophecy, but it was almost over. I almost didn't make it to the next day because I went to quit, but I had 40 believers Yeah, that they were just, they. if I told those people, they weren't as talented, but those are all the people you heard on that album. Man, if I you listen to known. If you, we had cheap mics, me and my brother, we had a little room. We were throwing mics cords over the room because we had no glass. Yeah. So we had to start the session like, okay, we can start. <laughs> we had these little cheap headphones that people bought their own headphones. They and we plugged them up. Oh, right, we can start. Oh, right, we can start. Like the I army mean, And 
<laughs> we were in there recording. So when you hear in a court, you hear those 40 people that believed. Man. I had to soon, soon shift from that 40 because I couldn't carry that many people out on the road. Yeah. So I had to bring it down. But that 40 people got a chance to change the way people did music. And so that's what ended up what happened. And they were just so sincere. I shout out to all of the original, very first album RFC people. You know, they was upset with me when I cut it down because I had to. Right, right. Business, I couldn't well, kick you, listen, you off. Listen, I tour with five, and I'm like, Jesus. Let me, let me, I don't know how gospel artists do it. Listen. All and, them hotels and hunger? And let me tell you something. Mm. I wasn't going to get on no 45-seater. <laughs> no 45-seater going to, to, to down to Atlanta. Oh, no. I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I like tour buses. I'm going to go to bed. Y'all heard the songs Give me some people Who already live here And, and we, so, we sing it together Y'all rehearse it Y'all heard the song Y'all probably sang them This Sunday But it was because They believed That we shifted The atmosphere of music Oh absolutely Those people Looked me in my face And if I told them Next week We're going to move This building Seven inches to the left and never give them any advice. Next week, they'd show up with pickaxe and hard hats <laughs> and say, my uncle got a bulldozer right now. I don't know what he's going to do it. But he said, we can use it. You know, wow. But they believed that much. And that's how it That's shifted. all you need. That's it. So I, I'm curious. And you, I know you probably don't want to brag on yourself. But, you know, we always talk about, like, the era of choirs became praise team. I never really connected. Do you feel like you had a part in, like, the praise, you know, because when I was a child, it was devotion, which was just one deacon or deaconess alone. That's all it was before RMC. Then, that's all it was. And then it was a choir. There was no in between. There was never one person with five people, which since around your time, it, it's that's been it that. Shifted. So do you feel like you had a big part to do? Because I, I feel like that. We did. I went to Clarence um, McClendon was my, is my good, good friend. And I took a small group and we were singing these songs that people had never heard. Mm. And Clarence stopped and prophesied. He said, Fred, you are now the architect of urban praise and worship. He said, what you have done is going to shift the way churches and people do music. That's not why we did it. Right. Like commission, we didn't wear the clothes because we wanted to change the game. Yeah. We didn't want to, you know, our sound, people don't know that the commission sound is the Clark sisters sound. It's the Clark sisters mix. Mm -hmm. What we did was we took all the background singers. So here's the fader, right? You got the little faders on the, on the, on the, on the console. So in a regular mix, the lead vocal volume would be here and the backgrounds would be here on the temptations, on the whiners, on everybody would kind of be there. But commission, we push all the leads up to be equal with the background, with mm. the, the background to be equal with that. And we changed, we didn't know we were changing the game. Yeah. But that's how Boys and Men, Jodeci, and everybody else started recording after that. So we didn't know we was changing the game. And um, I think it would be arrogant to think that we had something to do with that. We, this is what we're going to do. Absolutely. We just did it and God. But in hindsight, you can yeah. see how yeah. how it shifted. Now, your next two albums, one thing I've always appreciated as a church kid, you you listen to your songs, especially Spirit of David and Pages of Life, Chapter 1 and 2, and you read the Bible, and it is a vocal companion of the Scripture. Some songs, very little is even changed. Right. It is like almost, especially Spirit of David, it's almost like hearing David the musician if he was able to record music, that was my that was my hero. That was my biblical hero. That's what it feels like. That was my bib. That's why we named it Spirit of David. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the spirit of David. Um, Monica Coates, who is now the head of Motown, she she runs the label Motown. She was my assistant back then, so she was very key in making sure that you know we would find the scriptures that matched up with the song. So that's why on the album you see the scripture. So yeah. all you have to do is do this and that. So you know we we wanted to that praise and worship in black churches was just beginning. Yeah, because we were singing about the greatness of God before then we thought we sang of the mercy of God, which is, you know, baby need a pair of shoes. Even got a light bill, dude, telephone disconnect. Wait till my next paycheck. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn over to the Lord. He going to work that thing out. Oh, yeah. I don't know how gonna, that's it. Jesus. Kid, what if things are going okay? I don't know. This song ain't for you. <laughs> worked out. Worked out. It's like the spiritual roulette, you know, <laughs> I worked the thing out. Uh, uh, phone is off. <laughs> my phone my phone is off, so yeah, next time. You know? <laughs> but no, that's that was the vibe. And we started singing of the glory of God. Glory of glory to God. We started saying, uh, my pastor, Pastor Lane, said, We need to stop singing. I must tell Jesus all of my problems. <laughs> right, you need right. to stop singing that. Jesus already know that. He already know your problems. I'll tell you what, why don't we do this? Let's tell our problems about Jesus. Oh, let's reverse that, and that's kind of the concept of where we we start saying, in the midst of everything, did you know, cancer, that I serve the God of all gods? Did you know that although this seems to be happening, I am still blessed in the city, and I pronounce that. I do you know that the glory of God is going to be hidden within us? Did you know? So we just started saying that, and that's when it started shifting. Wow, you know that was what praise and worship is really all about. Man, one other interesting story. I got this like producing gig with Integrity, Hosanna Integrity. They, the guy saw me at GMA, and his name is Chris Long, white guy. He came up to me, and he held inner court up to me. He said, the, the, the Stouffer is packed. The lobby is packed. We just finished some sort of big old concert or something everybody was doing. He looked at me and said, what is this? And I was like, I don't know if I should be offended or right. I don't mind explaining it because nobody knew what it was. He said, I'm sorry. I don't mean to tell you. I mean to say, this is it. And I said, okay, you mind if we fly you and have a meeting down with you in, in Mobile, Alabama, or Montgomery, or whatever? I said, yeah, you know, I'll come down. They said, we have been trying to take and bless the black community with praise and worship. Mm. And we have lost that. We have not been successful. None of the artists that we got, you know, have been able to to transcribe. He said, but this, can you take our music and do this? So I said, yeah. And I went in this session. They had it very organized. I said, give me that song. Give me this song. Give me this song. And I said, Don't, no offense. You guys cook stream beans to keep the nutrients in them. <laughs> we don't want no nutrients. <laughs> so y'all still have snap right ours is lilt, wilted right. almost gray <laughs> almost gray. I'm getting ready to take your songs and take some of the snap out of it and I'm gonna put some I'm gonna put some hood in it mm-hmm. some some black church and some hood in it some ham heart so we did this song, record called Praise in the House sold really great um, Evander Holyfield is getting ready to fight Mike Tyson in the sparring uh, in his sparring, his daily sparring, his training, 
he's getting whooped by his sparring partners. His sparring partner's like, man, come on, man. He gonna eat you alive. You come in there. He just didn't have it. And his wife told me this story. And so he's sitting there and he's trying to fight and he could not fight. And then, man, they just like the whole camp is like, man, this is getting ready to be a massacre. And he didn't know what he was. So his wife was pregnant. She was, saw him sitting on, he was on the ring like this with his head down, his gear on. And she climbed up on the ring and looked him in his eyes and said, in your eyes, Mike Tyson, God is as big as Mike Tyson. Mm. You have to be make God bigger than Mike Tyson. So on that album, which she listened to, there was a song, I have made you too small in my soul, Lord. Forgive me, and I have believed in a lie that you were unable to save me. Oh, no, Lord, I see my wrong. Heal my heart and make yourself strong. And in my life and in my song, oh Lord, be magnified. Oh, Lord, be magnified. Be magnified, oh Lord. You are highly exalted. And there is nothing you can't do. Oh, Lord, we're counting on you. Oh, Lord, be magnified. Oh, Lord, be magnified. He just looked at her. He had his mouth in his hand. He said, sing it again. She sang it again. Sing it again. He stood there. She sang it for him like five times. He said, Ding, ding. Whooped every sparring partner like he was going out of his mind. They was on the ground bleeding. Like, yeah! <laughs> yeah! That's what we're talking about. <laughs> so then he said, Who sang that? He said, Listen to it. This is Fred Hammond. So he went and got Spirit of David. Mm. So coming down the aisle fighting Mike Tyson, he walks in there in the spirit of the Lord comes the boy. They said, Man, Mike Tyson, I mean, he's coming down like he's some sort of evangelist or something. <laughs> they were playing Dance Like David yeah. on his way down. He was so ferocious. The only way Mike, who I love, mm-hmm. only way Mike could stop him is to bite his ear off. I was watching that fight. Yep. We were in we were in DC in a concert and somebody was taping for us. We were gonna watch it on the bus. Yeah, y'all was and still when I got it. it. They was like They were still in it. It's weird. Here you go, but it's weird. Who won? Just watch it. Oh my. But we saw it, but that was the whole thing that led up to that. You know? That is history. That is crazy. I actually didn't remember that Evander Holyfield came down to gospel music. Yep. I remember watching it being like, this is quick. You don't come down to gospel. And Mike Tyson came down to like Wu-Tang or something. Right. He had old ball black. <laughs> he looked like, oh, my God. <laughs> but they told me, they said, they're going to play your song, too. So I said, tape it because I, I really want to see it. I paid for the person that was not at the concert. I paid her to go ahead and um, just tape it. And they watched it for free. I paid their little you know, cable bill, whatever it was. And, uh, man, he came down. It was a proud moment, but it was a weird moment. And then it came up. It's like, you know what? He came down with so much power and anointing. Yeah. The only way to stop him was to yeah. forfeit, you know, yeah. so, you know, part of history. That is, that's, man, this is just great. I'm having a great time. I want to know, before we move on, I want to know about No Weapon. Because that song, I mean, you have so many. Mm-hmm. But No Weapon is kind of like running back to you. and It's like. Your voice comes in so soft at the beginning, and then you just be like, "Why am I crying?" Like, what was the what was the process behind that song? Because that's another one that's just timeless. Uh, 
Funny thing about that one, it almost didn't see the light of day because we the first time we did it, it bombed. Really? At the Chicago Gospel Fest, it bombed bad. Like people were like, what are you singing? It really wasn't that it bombed. It was like they had never heard anything like that. Mm-hmm. So they was just sitting there looking at me. And I just felt, man, we we messed up. And but the way that song happened, I was at Great Faith Ministries Bishop uh, Wayne T. Jackson, and I was the music administrator there. Mm-hmm. And we were we were in there, and they had, you know had the, the moments of flow, where Bishop would go down and he would prophesy to people, and then the people would, and there would be a song. A guy named Alvin Moore was playing just this melody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said, keep doing that, keep doing that. So I didn't know what, you know, you the prof, the pastor prophesies, then the psalmist, which is me, has to come up with something. Mm-hmm. So he goes to this one lady, he goes, he stops, packs up and says, God told me that he's about to restore all that the locusts have eaten and the cankerworm and the thief has stolen. Your ladder is going to be this. And people start breaking out. And he turned to me like, take it away, Mr. Psalmist. And, hey, and hey. first thing that came out of my mouth, when, you, when you're flowing like that, yeah. it's almost like it's, it's freestyle. Right, right. So that's a freestyle song. No weapon. Let me find it right here. No weapon armed against me shall rise. It won't work. And it came, I know. Because now I got to figure out what's next. <laughs> I know God will do what he said he would do. <laughs> he will come through. <laughs> and it took off. Immediately the <laughs> church went in and we sang that song for 30 minutes. Every Sunday for months. For months. And I was getting ready to go write the verses. And the Lord said, don't mess that song up. <laughs> don't mess that song up. And I'm like, but you got to have verses. You have to. That's the way it works. He said, just don't do that to that song. I said, okay, cool. Now, here's where people don't understand. R&B, the reason why gospel is waning is because we don't have our counterparts. R&B is not strong anymore. So think about it, Prince. Yeah. Um, the, the the Temptations, uh, Stevie Wonder, uh, uh, Anita Baker, all of the hit makers. We sounded like them. So yeah. so now let me show you where we where that is true. So now I said, but I need to put a bridge in there. And so I, one of my favorite songs, and I really couldn't say it at the time because you know I knew what they was talking about. They were talking about fornication. Here we go, fornication again. Uh, boys to men, who was mm-hmm. our little nephews. Yep, yep. And they have a song, and I said, I'm taking that part of that bridge. I don't care what song it come from, and I'm putting it in there because that's one of my favorite parts of the bridge. And said, Load me and I won't let go till you ask me to. I'll make love to you. So I said, well, uh, won't be afraid of the arrow by day. Uh, y'all can't see me. That statutes and limitations. <laughs> Plus, y'all took some of my stuff, too. Y'all know y'all did. We good. Y'all oh, my God. No weapon. What? 
Fred. We borrow from each other all the time. That's why it sounds familiar the first time you hear it. That's what it. That's why it sounds familiar. You know what it reminds me of? We are. I was a musician in church too, and uh, one of the things that was fun for church kids, the organist would work R and B music into altar call, <laughs> but he would church it up. Church it up, and we, the people who knew, would be dying. <laughs> And the older saints would be going straight in yep, to Alicia Keys, Jodeci. Like, y'all don't know but we But did y'all have that snitch? <laughs> there was always a snitch. <laughs> oh, he playing that song. <laughs> That's what your name be to look like somebody. You belong in the ditch. <laughs> you have a little snitch. But we knew. Wow. But we were able to do that. And our music sounded familiar. You know, Tony, Tony, Tony's, we, Rafi and them, we, we love them. You know, if you listen to Commission, uh, A Secret Place. A secret place in you where peaceful waters flow. Let me, let me hide in you. In a secret place. But you inviting me. Hide in you, Tony. What made you do this? You did a name only. That's the name of my name is Doeyo Blaze. We borrowed from each other. Crazy. We borrowed from this each whole other. The time I thought we wasn't supposed to be listening to that. Low key, we was listening to it in we the gospel it. music. We slid it in on you. <laughs> slid it in, just the tip. But. The- <laughs> It's coming out that room. <laughs> Man, that is wow. That is we all see. We didn't have hangups with each other. Yeah, R and B and gospel. We were a family and a fraternity and a, and a sorority. That we were musicians. Yeah, and singers. So we loved they what they did. They loved what we did. We didn't stand off. We weren't right. stand off. We were like we, when we got together, we would just hang out. And, you know, just Gerald Avert, all of us, we all knew each other and we, we acknowledged each other. Yeah. And we borrowed from each other. Another, another, another history. Um, we're getting ready to do Will You Be Ready? Y'all getting all the good stuff. Uh, this, is the, yeah, this is going out tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all getting, uh, we're getting ready to do Will You Be Ready album. Okay. I'm, I wrote a song on it called Save Me Now, Save Me Now. Save me now. And Mitchell wrote, Lord Jesus, help me, help the money out. And Michael Brooks was our main writer. So, but by that time, we were changing music style-wise. Mm-hmm. Mike was the technical guy. He, he knew how to work that sequence, and his stuff was very you know, succinct, and his tempos were different. And um, we were getting ready to do this one song, and it, it went like this, because Mike was an up-tempo guy. He liked you know, up tempo style stuff. So it went, don't don't do to know the savior. He had all the bells and whistles going, but nobody was feeling it. Mm. Record company wasn't feeling it. But Matt, Mike was like, man, that's a good song. That's a good song, man, but and he said, I ain't tripping. He said, I think we need to just change the drummer. I don't think that Mike is playing it right. And I looked at him. I said, no, man, we can't do that. I said, Mike, it's not. It's not, Mike. It's, we got to do something else to it. 
I said, meet me at the studio. We were in St. Louis and we were flying home. Cause song was a good song. Yeah. But yeah. it was just tempo. It just it wasn't what music was doing back then. We were right on the verge and in the middle of New Jack swinging it. Yeah, know? yeah. But this was, you know, something else. And um, so I bought my R8. I had a drum machine. And I bought my R8. He said, I said, so this is what we need to do. We need to Casanova that mug. And he's like, everybody's like, what's Casanova? I said, you ain't heard that? Pull my drum machine out, R8, rolling R8, and start it. And then I pulled my bass out. And then Mike got it. He started playing on top of it. And he's like, oh, man, this, that, and the other. And then Mitchell, and I'm like, oh, man, this is crazy. Mike Williams went in and jumped on the drums. And all we did was we borrowed from Gerald and Levert. <laughs> to make it current. When in doubt, go with the R&B. Go with it. <laughs> they was borrowing from us. Absolutely. Yep, R&B artists always say that. Yep, because they, they come from church. This. Most of them come from Most church. Of come, and that's the other reason. I've People been saying R&B's changing because people don't grow up in the church playing music anymore. There you go. You're right. So that's a whole different culture. But we all grew up the same, you know, so. Okay. I mean, this is just. This is just rich. I'm here with the nephew. Uncle Fred and me. That's right. All right. So here's what we want to do. This is an interesting little game before we let you go. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the title of one of your albums, and I want you to give me either the one of your favorite tracks on this on the album or a song you think everybody should hear. All right. Fred Hammond Christmas. Um I love Just Remember. Mm -hmm. Just remember. That song comes from Vimano Haynes was an amazing musician. He helped arrange that uh, that part. But that comes from, uh, uh, so the song goes, Stocking and carols in All that comes from, these, these are a few of my favorite <laughs> things. <laughs> the doing them now, biting. Oh, we do flip it. So check that one out. All right, speak those things. Speak those things, man. Um, that one was was a song that album that was a little heavy for people. They they didn't really get it coming after purpose, but uh, I would love to you for you to listen to. Uh, Show me your face. Yes, that's number three or four. That's uh, I'm not sure what track it is, but it was right during my divorce, so it was it meant a lot to me. Yeah, you know, so mm -hmm. it talks about what I've lost. You know, I've lost some. Uh, no, that was something else. That was another song. <laughs> okay, well, go listen to the whole thing, and then you, you ain't gonna miss it. <laughs> All right, something about love. Something about love. Um, that Jesus is worthy. That vibe I heard in my head. I sing it a little behind the beat, a little bit on purpose. Yeah. But that that vibe was, in my head, I saw Al Green and Ron Isley. Yeah. So yeah. if you listen to it, you'll hear a lot of that tone. I, I do my voice. Uh, Everybody lift your hands <laughs> if you know that Jesus is worthy. You hear a lot of the little influences of Ron Isley and Al Green. It's so clear when you say it. Yeah. But when you first listen, you're just like, mm-hmm, I like it. All right, uh, free to worship. Free to worship, man. Uh, well, everybody's going to go to this is the day. Mm -hmm. You know, but Pam Kenyon, who has been, she, she snuck in my choir. <laughs> she snuck she in? She snuck in. 
When really? I made the announcement, everybody know the story. I made the announcement. Pam Kenyon was 17 years old. You had to be 21. And so she asked the question. She said, why do you have to be 21? I said, because you need to be a graduated. She said, okay, cool. Well, she graduated at 16, technicology. So uh-huh. she wasn't going nowhere. <laughs> but of the 40 singers, she was one of the best. When she got up, she was one of the best singers. Yeah. Her and LaDon Ford. And so I just let her stay in. Um, but she got really mad at me on Free to Worship because we were doing, Lord, your grace. Da, 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 da. So you come out of grace. Your grace and your mercy forever. And we're going, your grace and mercy and grace. Last and it was such a beautiful song. But I let it go long. Mm-hmm. And then I go, <laughs> she was so, don't you dare mess with that. She was mad at me for like three weeks. Because I wouldn't change. I'm coming out of it. I said, Kenyon, this song is nine minutes long. Get, come on. She said, no, just this should end. Don't mess that song up. But now she got over it and it's like, yeah, that's a great thing to do. <laughs> Last one, Love Unstoppable. Love Unstoppable. It was funny because um, we had did, now this was my little bro, you know, Israel Houghton. He had a song called, uh, and I love that song. And since he had took a vibe from my song, which is, uh, I had Lord of the Harvest, he had uh, one of the other joints, which was, what's that song? He had, uh, uh, we can ready to go on tour too. Me and Israel and Hez are going on tour too. So oh, no. Yeah. So, um, but I took a vibe from that. I want to say, and I said, okay, I'm going to do this. Like, but here's the thing. It didn't sound like that at first. It had yeah. the beat. Calvin did this beat and everything, but it didn't flip. So Ray, my brother Ray, went and took my bass line. And slowed it up and turned it around and and flipped the, the mix. And so I said, wait a minute, I hear a bass line. So I pulled the bass out and do 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 boom. And it changed the whole vibe of the song. And I reached out for the big homie, my bro. I said, John, I need you. Jump on this mug. He went on. When I got that song back, I, my eyes almost fell out my head. <laughs> and so the the first song was going to be I Find No Fault in Him that was the first single and then they were going to, to radio with, they had it at radio and when I brought I said Jeff Jeff Grant you might want to hear this I sent they that way to him he said you're a punk I hate you I do hate you because you know we serviced it already right. but we got to pull it yeah. they started even playing they said no this is your single right here so they that wait was the song on there. Wow. Now, one thing about you that I have found interesting, you become a content creator on video, on Instagram reels. You be making videos. And I'd be like, Fred is just funny. You make funny videos. You, you've had something go low-key viral. Are you getting inspiration from that? Are you just having fun? Like, what about that part of your life is saying, man, I'm just doing this now? You know, the, my, my thing is you got to make you got to make changes in your life. I was the class clown. Mm-hmm. I was the one that they put my desk up in front of the board so I couldn't distract 
yeah. the other students. Yeah, so yeah. I'm right here. The board is right here, and I'm right here. Just got paddled because they called me a distraction. <laughs> just got paddled. I always had. I was talking too much. I always got bad citizenship grade because I talked too much. Is that no? You know, and it so. They didn't know I was either beating on the desk and just that another, and I was getting. They were trying to beat that thing out of me, and I I didn't know to tell them. It's always music going on in my head. Yeah, you know. Now they look at me as a communicator. So people are seeing me now as like, man, this is new Fred. That's not anybody that's been around me. This is how we yeah, kick it yeah. forever. Me and my crew, when me and Kirk are doing something, like if we're out doing a date, we're always, like you say we came out, just, that's normal. Just out of here. It's just, it was something very inappropriate that <laughs> sounded inappropriate, <laughs> but it wasn't. It, it just was the finish of a conversation. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. But when we came out here, I think you said, you know, we were talking about the young people today don't have the way to, to, to go to the music stores like we did in the Walmarts and sign CDs and autographs. And, and, and at the end of the day, you know, um, I say music is it's this time. But when we got outside the door of the vacuum lock, <laughs> Kirk said, yeah, so you're going to go ahead and pull out, huh? <laughs> and I said, probably shouldn't say that right now with that much information. So the room looked at me like, I'm about to pull out. I'm like, the touring game, the, the, this side of the industry. So they don't know that that's my, that's my demeanor. Yeah. That is my demeanor. My, my demeanor is, number one, I have an amazing respect for actors and comedians. Mm -hmm. now, I wouldn't call myself a comedian. comedian. Sinbad said, man, you have comedic timing. Yeah. He said, man, you got to think about this, but you add, the way you do your shows, because he and I did a bunch of shows together. He said, Fred, your timing is just, it is what it is. I have the timing, but at the end of the day, I have great respect for comedians, and I just know how to look at things a different way in a different lens. Yeah. And I made the decision that I wasn't going to be that guy that said, you know, listen here, look right in the mirror, that God right now, the anointing of King Arafaz and all of the great saints of the Ararat Mountains. I'm, that's not me. I'm just gonna talk to you like me. I love that. <laughs> I appreciate it. Me and Slocum, me good friends, because we can. Me Slocum, me Marcus Wally, we could kick it because yeah. that's it, you yeah. know. But but that's that's kind of where I'm at. Plus, it don't hurt that that little twelve hundred dollar bonus on the reels per month. You know, that's a car note. You know, so I ain't even mad at you know. I actually want to go right back to something you just. I just thought of it because now it's not as much of a big deal. When you got your ear pierced. It was in the church. It was like, <gasps> I mean, all of us were like, Fred got his ear pierced. We, we can get our ear pierced because all of our moms and everybody love Fred. So when you got your ear pierced, it was, and it I was jeans gate all over it. again. It was jeans gate. It was <laughs> guest gate. Joint <you> know? <laughs> ash gate all over again. And I got the, I found out, I said, which ear should I get? Because, you know, I wanted to represent the heterosexual community. And I, they said, get the left ear pierced. So I got one ear pierced. And then I said, at some point in time, I saw Michael Jordan. I said, he looks so cool. Yeah. I'm getting two of them at some point. But I got to ease the folks into it. Because I had to go through the little rob, you know, eh, they get over it. And they got over it. And finally, I, I got two. Eh, they got over it. And Bishop Jake said, he was preaching one day. He said, I love having Fred Hammond at my church. You know why? Because no drama. <laughs> what that meant was, let me explain that what, that what that really meant. I'm not going through the alto section, then the soprano section, right. then the, the, and people right. in this office broken. I ain't messing with none of y'all up in here. 
I ain't that, 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 his office broken. Broken, <laughs> toe up. He said, I don't have to have that conversation with none of these women, all this, that, and other. And they said, yeah, but he got two earrings. He said, if I got to wear, if I had, if earrings is the only thing I had to wear about, I'm good. <laughs> you know, and everybody got over it. Now people wearing whatever well, they Now we got tattoos and it's all crazy. everything. But at the time, it was like, ooh, Fred. All right, we're going to let you out here on this. This is Kev's top 10. We ask every guest to answer these questions. All we ask is that you remain honest. All right, number one, who's your favorite person? Well, my favorite person? Um, the person I'm currently with, and that's what I'll say. Okay. The person I'm currently with, they're in my life, and they're the most favorite person I've ever met. There we go. There we go. Running back to you, part two. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's not. <laughs> it. Never mind. But it's not that. It was, it's very safe. It's very safe. All right. Number two. What was one of your happiest moments? Oh man. Seeing my daughter born mm. was was a really I was very tired, but seeing her born was one of my favorite moments. And my son, who we adopted, his name is Darius, bringing him home for the first time at four months old. Mm-hmm. Those are probably just those are two I can say right off the rip. Those are two of my favorite times. Okay, what is one of your saddest moments? My divorce. Okay, yep. grits, sugar. Or salt and pepper. I am grits pedestrious. I can go either way. I can do some days I feel salt and pepper and butter. And then some days I feel sugar. I'm not I'm not saying I can go either way on this. I love that. You know what? But here's the secret to me. You take your sugar and your butter and you take a little pinch of salt. Pop just to pop it a little bit mm-hmm. to give it that little savory and that sweet thing going. I am not like John P. Key. John P. Key is stuck. He's only on one side. He's, he's, he's stuck. stuck. John, come on, man. Stuck. Leave it alone. But, you know, <laughs> I do get it. And these are the same people that's talking about putting shrimp and cheese in grits. I'm like, I don't get that. Now, right. that's what I don't get. <laughs> but you had a thing and you showed it. This is how you eat. It said it right on the grits. It said it on the box. Now, leave so, me alone. I do pretty much do sugar and salt and butter in each time I do grits. Okay. All right. Sweet potato pie or pumpkin pie? I can do both. I'm I'm okay. Pibidextrous too. Pibidextrous. You know. <laughs> I, I I prefer sweet potato because of consistency. Sometimes the pumpkin pie can be a little. That's true. It could be a little bit, you know, a little milky. Yes. Yeah. Too definitely. Texture's big for me. I give it to you. All right. I need a baker or Patty Labelle. Oh man, what are you doing, man? Oh man, that's a rough one. I love Patty. I love Labelle. That was one of my favorite songs, whatever they say. Lady Mama Lie. Come on, you can't, you can't, you're over the rainbow and all that stuff. But I got to go with my homegirl, Nita. I was closer to her because, number one, Derek Dirksen, my manager, mm-hmm. managed her. Got so it. We, we, we have a connection. Okay. Favorite black saying? Favorite black saying. Oh, my God. I'm going to Detroit. And it's a Detroit thing. And if I see anybody with a Detroit hat in Australia, if I see them over in anywhere, and you got a Detroit hat on, we got one saying. We say, what up, though? <laughs> and everybody knows from Detroit, what up, though? <laughs> okay. So that's my favorite. All right. What excites you? Oh, man. I love laughing. I love just enjoying life. I, I love enjoying people. What excites me now is 
you know, the, the, the super thing to say, the spiritual thing to say is God excites me. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that he really does. But you know, I love the passion I get from now creating film projects. Mm-hmm. I love working. I just finished working with Nick on this Christmas thing and all that stuff. I don't want to do that. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm following in your footsteps. You are teaching me how to do it yourself. And I don't want to be bothered with the big industry. Now, if they come and they offer it right, it's, it's going to be on my terms. And they don't want to do my terms. Who am I? Right. But I still have 2 million people on Facebook that I can figure out how to get directly to. So I love, I love filmmaking. I love telling stories through the lens. I love, I love, I just love it. And that's what really excites me. Whether I become really successful in it, God just told me, just get back in line. Mm-hmm. Humble yourself and get back in line. All right. What bores you? Oh, man. What bores me? Zoom meetings. <laughs> you said that with such disdain. It was just, listen, I was going to Zoom me up with my friend. I, he probably ain't going to watch this. Anyway. I can see it. You know, it was with my friend, man. And he introduced, it took him 20 minutes to introduce everybody oh, in there. come on. He said, you know, first, you know, we're glad for Fred to be on pay, on here. We don't want to belabor the time. Yeah, oh, yes, you do. No. Yes, you do. You're about to do it. He said, but I want to give first to Dr. Uh, so-and-so. Um, she came from so-and-so elementary school. I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> he said from elementary school and where she was in track and she started <laughs> a new science project back then. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, it's hilarious. And so Zoom meetings, man, I don't want to have any of them. I don't want to. Like All right, last one. What do you want your legacy to be? That I blessed a lot of people. I blessed a lot of people externally that I blessed you from my gift and my talent and my calling. But more so that I, I blessed the people that were closest to me with opportunities that they can say, man, thank you, Unc, for doing this. Thank you. That my, that, that my family can say, thank you for being. Bishop said it the best, and I won't get emotional, but Bishop said it the best. If you're blessed with a deathbed and you get a chance to look in somebody's eyes, and you, you've got three minutes left that you look in somebody's eyes and say, my life is better because you was here. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I want. My life was better than you was here because you was here. Now, the flip side of that is how do you feel when everybody crying and you know I'm about to get up out of here <laughs> about to, wait a minute that's nice that I was but do you realize I'm not I'm out of here I want my life to be worse when I leave <laughs> I want your life to be worse but I want to say this too man I'm proud of you for doing what you're doing you are leading us. Thank you. You are leading us. And a lot of the things, do you remember I called you maybe two years ago and I said, man, what app do you use to get you and the, and the thing on? Yeah. And you were gracious enough to tell me. I didn't know how to edit at that point. Yeah. But yeah. You, t- you were gracious and said, I, this is the app you get. This is what you want. Because I, I saw technology in you. I saw what you were doing. And I, I said, I'm going to follow. So even as you followed me and I was a blessing to you, and you were able to flourish, I'm able to feed off of that and learn now. So my Instagram stuff is what you see in my Facebook stuff is because Kev on stage. I'm watching him just clean comedy. It's just another. I'm supportive. He stole my stuff just like the other music. That's it. (laughs) 
And we built our comedy. One of our first jokes they used to kill is still, I probably could still do it to this day. We would do bless, right? And then we bring somebody up. Oh, you can sing, you can sing. Now do the verse. And they'd be, <laughs> and that was supposed to stop me. And how the best of man. I would do I, that I, if I, you call me. <laughs> Dude. Listen, I ain't done the verse in so long. If you said that, I'd be like, I'd just, and down, the land. Come on. I mean, we did that joke all of the United States. One girl in Richmond, Virginia, one person in all of our playmaker history actually knew the whole verse. But So I appreciate you, Fred. Ladies did and gentlemen. You do, didn't you do a thing for us with, uh, with me and Donnie? Did uh, y'all do a cartoon on us? Yes, we've done plenty. Y'all I did mean, a cartoon with me and Donnie? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were in there. We were on our way out on the tour, and you did that. And then Donnie was standing. I'm shocked. Yeah, that was Jarrell. Jarrell, Jarrell was doing Donnie. I didn't tell you this, Fred. Josh just reminded me. <laughs> we was in Dallas one time. This is when I was doing the plays. You don't know this, or maybe you do. Somebody gave us your address, and we was like, "We gonna make it. We gonna go to Fred's Hammond's house." <laughs> We gonna put your our play on your front door, and we went and basically ding dong ditched our play. We put it on your front door, knocked on the door, and got in our car and scared. I don't know who answered the door. What happened to that play? But we went home like, all right, guys, things are about to change. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. It probably somebody whoever answered the door probably came like this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they didn't catch it. Because people that came to my door saying the Lord said I was their husband. Oh, oh come on. So when it come now, we just, hey, praise him. You know this is Texas. <laughs> it's more crazy if you don't got it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Fred Hammond, the living legend. You've had so much breaking stuff on this. Follow him on social media. Very funny on Instagram, Facebook. Check out his products, man. His music we all know. Check out his new stuff, man. Fred, thank you, brother. Bless love you, you, appreciate you. I love you, man. All the, all the dimes and gems and breaking newses. It's just, I can't wait to go back and watch this. This was this good. was a long one. Yeah, it and was. I, I enjoyed every second. I'm over here like, oh, I can't wait to tell my wife what this Fred is, told me. <laughs> this is my next favorite interview. My, my, my first one was last two weeks ago with Questlove. Oh, really? Oh, man, we did a whole, we, we probably did two hours easy. His podcast? His podcast, yep. Yeah. Yeah, man. He, he, so you can go check out the Fred Hammond. Number two, but it's a whole different set of stuff. He asked me for, for this one is a is it's a great interview, man. I am so proud of you all and proud of you all. Marquita Bradley and Josh, go do your thing. Love you guys and uh, lead us on, man. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been watching coming to the stage. You know you can get this with no ads on the Kevin Stage Studios app. Huh? No ads. But if you ain't got that $5.99, you can listen to it for free much later on YouTube, Facebook, wherever podcasts are found. We'll see you next time. Peace.